fullback belly. Three tight ends, including Haydner. Kuhn is the fullback with the first and goal. Kuhn gets the ball. Final try for the touchdown. What is going on? It's your boy, the Wolf of Roto Street, RotoStreetJohn.com. We breed and feed you fantasy wolves here with the first waiver wire show of 2023. And when I say first, that often does, and especially tonight, mean the most important waiver wire show of the year. Some huge names that you have to go and add tonight. It's almost always the biggest run. The most useful players of the year will be out there tonight. And very rarely, despite you know, maybe a couple injuries, a couple handcuffs come into play in just a little bit. Other than that, these are going to be the most valuable waiver wire additions. And this week one seems more loaded than recent memories. So definitely come on in. Let me know any questions you have. I'm going to rip through my top 12 waiver wire pickups. I usually do 10, but I had to go to 12 because there's just so many good names this week. And I'll start, of course, as I always do, with the first checklist. Some names and some guys I see in the comments already. Get those questions on in. Be happy to answer and talk about them. So I'm glad to get right into this. A few names in that first check box. Jacoby Myers, 50% rostered. He'd be right up there at the top of the list should you need a wide receiver. And this is something just kind of a general philosophy. One, for week one, don't be afraid to blow it all. I mean, I, I have some bids for 25, 30. It depends on your team needs, your roster sizes, what else is going to be out there. But this is the time of the year that you have to just be ready to go all in. I love it. So be ready to just do that dive in head first. But two, also, you, you got to be nimble with your mind and just you got to know there's only 17 weeks of data we're going to collect. So you have to just be ready. It goes and kind of builds off that first point to go after those difference makers as hard as you can and Three, always consider your team names. I'll toss out fab suggestions throughout here. But of course, if you need a wide receiver more than a running back, maybe it makes more sense to spend up at that position. So they're not firmly in place. I'll definitely give you percentages like 30%, 25%, those types of things. But none of that is locked in stone. You know how your league operates. If you know you're going to have to bid 50 bucks half your budget, you know you're going to have to do it for certain guys. I'll point out which ones I think that are. Let's start, though. At the top with some first check names, Jacoby Myers out there in over half a lease. I can't believe that. he. This was a crazy stat from week one. 73% of stats of the Raiders targets, rather, went to Jacoby Myers or Devontae Adams. That's the highest percent to go to a wide receiver duo since 52% last year compared to that. That's 20% more than that. And that was A.J. Brown and Devonta Smith last year. So this is a dominant duo right here for the Raiders. And who led the way? Actually, Jacoby Myers, not Devonta Adams. 10 targets accounted for a whopping 38%. He hauls in nine of them, 81 yards and two scores. Now he is in concussion protocol right now, but man, he's looking like a long-term stud here. You saw some of that swag on his TD scores as well as celebrations. He looked so damn good. So Jacoby Myers, definitely the number one receiver ad, but he's not out there in every league. So this is just a first checklist. Tyler Algier also maybe the number one ad if he's somehow still out there in your leagues. 24 fantasy points, more carries and more points than Bijan Robinson, who looked damn good. There's no fault to Bijan at this point. We just know Arthur Smith at this point wants to get Algier involved. And it makes sense. He's such a physical bruising style runner that it fits this identity quite well. 
He actually had more targets, Algier, than Drake London. More carries than Bijan, more targets than Drake London. What world are we in? I don't know. But we certainly understand now that Algier will be routinely involved. 24 fantasy points after going 75 yards and two touchdowns on the ground, getting the vast majority of that goal line work. Great pickup. Definitely is going to be vastly consistently involved. And if anything ever happened to Bijan, you know, true locked in RB1 each and every week. And the last name to look for on your wave wire. Now, this one depends on what your team needs are. If you need a running back to start today, Jalen Warren is not going to be at the top of this list. In fact, he'd probably move down to the bottom. But let's say you're in good shape. You're just looking for upside to stash on your bench. It doesn't get any higher than Jalen Warren at this point. The ultimate handcuff with benefits already churning into the workload of Najee Harris more than we've ever seen in the past playing just under 40% of snaps compared to 52% of the snaps for Najee. That Tony Pollard, Zeke Elliott situation may be coming to fruition this year. Certainly Jalen Warren looking to be more involved on a weekly basis, plus carries that ridiculous handcuff upside as that Tomlin back. So those are the first check names. Again, I know in your league, you might, I'm in a varsity league. Those guys would never be out there but I do want to make sure I got a bunch of questions on them. So I wanted to hit that. Let me know if there's any other names. We will dive now into, though, the guys that are out there in well over half of the leagues. Many of this list is actually under 10% rostered right now. So there's a very good chance that three of the top five guys are out there in your leagues. So get ready, prepare those budgets, get ready to spend. If you enjoy what you hear at any point of this broadcast, that thumbs up does Greatly, greatly help us get out to more people. And of course, if you enjoy it so much that you want to subscribe, we'd love to have you be a part of the Wolfpack. You can hit that bell. We're live four times a week answering your questions every single time. Keep that mailbag coming over 10 questions already. Can't wait to answer them all. Let's dive in, though. At the top of my week two waiver wire list is Kyron Williams. He's 7% rostered, and I would bid at least 30% of my budget to go out and get him. I think he has the most long-term and short-term usefulness on this entire list. Played 65% of the snaps, but what really was indicative to me was 86% of the snaps in the first half. When they were in a tight game, he was literally the every down back outside a handful. 26 snaps to four snaps in favor of Kyron Williams over Cam Akers, the presumed starter. 86% of the third downs went to Kyron, 100% of the two-minute offense, and 60% of the short yardage work as well. Those high-value touches were all Kyrens. And we did get an Akers touchdown later in the game, but that was after we had already seen Kyron score twice after they were already up big. That's when Akers, he did, yes, get more carries, 22 total carries, but so many of those came after the fact in the fourth quarter when they were just trying to bleed clock at that point. Kyron outscores him with 17 fantasy points and just seems like the main guy moving forward. It's a tough spot in week two. So it is, you got to temper expectations a little bit. If you go all out, bid all over on him, and then he just kind of disappoints against San Fran, the best run defense in the league. It's going to be a tough spot, but rest of season, I really think Kyron Williams has that top 20 running back upside. And that is so rare to find that without an injury on the waiver wire. I would be very proactive in trying to go get this guy. I am in love with what I saw from this offense in general. And that brings us to the next top pick up on the waiver wire. And if you need receiver more, bump him up to number one. That's Puka Nakua, 9% rostered. Whew, what an absolutely smashing debut, filling that Cooper Cup role to perfection. All preseason, all the hype. They believe back to OTAs was they're putting a lot on Puka's plate. They want him to be their version of Debo Samuel. And that couldn't have been any more true in week one. A whopping 42.9% target share. Highest in the NFL. Ties Tyree Kill with 
15 targets, the most of week one. In fact, the most targets by a rookie receiver in week one ever. He was also the 43% of those targets came as first read targets. So tons of it was by design in that Cooper Cup layup style role. He ultimately, Nakua, catches 10 of those 15 balls going for 119 yards. And there were some in the end zone. There were some streaking down the field. But then, of course, those easy layup slot targets has made Cup such a monster. It was as if he never left. And I'm not saying Puka Nakua is Cooper Cup, but that's how good of a schemer Sean McVay is. And when you have Matthew Stafford looking this good, 335 yards on the day, and if you're in his trust tree, I mean, we've even seen Kenny Galladay, who's been useless the rest of his career, be a wide receiver one with Matthew Stafford. If he trusts you, he's getting you the rock. Good things happen in fantasy. So I am all about going all in on Nakua. I think he's also similar to Kyron, worth 30% of your budget, if not more, if you're desperate for a wide receiver. The risk here is when Cooper Cup returns, what's the role going to be for him? Is this going to be just a one-for-one? Cup subs in, the coup is gone. That could be the case, but he looks so good, I imagine he'll be the number two guy even with Cup back. Uh, The reward is also, too, what if this injury lingers for Cooper Cup? What if he re-injures himself and has to miss extended time later down the stretch? All things that could happen. So, yes, it's not an ideal week-two matchup against San Fran, but being in that circle of trust, Seeing that type of workload, this type of Cooper Cup role, it should not be discounted. Now, at seven, though, I want to also cover Tutu Atwell. He's another top 10 pickup for me. He similarly to Nakua also went for exactly 119 yards. So they both had 3.4 yards per route run, given that they both ran 90% of the routes. Very solid day for him. Eight targets, six catches, 119 yards for that final stat line. Another guy that could be tossed right into lineups and maybe even because he offers a little bit more of a unique skill set, Tutu Atwell, in the deep ball, getting open all, all layers of the field, maybe he preserves his value a little bit better than Nakua if and when Cooper Cup returns. I don't think he'll be quite as productive as Puka Nakua, at least for these next four weeks or however long we have Cup out. That's why I definitely want Puka. He looks like he's going to be a cheat code for at least the short term, whereas Atwell feels like he could be ultimately more of the flash in the fan. But don't be shocked if come those last halves of the, the season, if Tutu Atwell is the guy that's actually more involved in this passing game, both guys well worth a solid, you know, I think 30% or so for Puka Nakua, and then maybe about 10 to 15% so for Tutu Atwell, maybe a little more if you're desperate for wide receiver. They're both well worth roster spots at this point with Stafford wheeling, dealing, looking as if he had never left last year. Great stuff on all accounts. My next Highest pickup would be Romeo Dobbs of the Packers. He's 30% rostered, and I think he's worth just about that much on your fab. With no Christian Watson, Dobbs was banged up, didn't play all the snaps. In fact, just 48% of them, only about 67% of the routes, and he still feasted for over 16 points. That's because he has such incredible chemistry with Jordan Love. This dates back to last preseason when Dobbs was the highlight player. Those highlights were coming with Jordan Love. They've long been established as these guys, and you see this happen so many times where they move up together now as two clear-cut starters, and that ends up becoming the guy. In fact, all preseason, he tore it up again this year, too, Romeo Dobbs did, to the point beat writers speculating he might pace this team in targets and get the most looks. He then follows it up with a four-catch, 70-yard TD preseason with about a half of action looking like, yes, I am the guy getting open deep downfield. And then, of course, that red zone action we just saw this week. I mean, some of those throws were very zipped in there, like Aaron Rodgers-style uh, chemistry required that perfect timing. You love to see that from Romeo Dobbs and love just looking the part. Jordan Love, three touchdowns, great command of the offense, 
as if there's nothing different from the usual Packers attacks. So I imagine Romeo Dobbs, the role will continue to grow as he gains health. Remember, he was playing at less than 100% entering this game. So even when Watson returns, I know he'll probably be the alpha here, but there is still the upside that it could be Dobbs. And even if it is Watson, ultimately, I think that's offset when Dobbs becomes a full-time player in both of these guys continue to thrive. So I think he is well worth 30% of your budget, a every week wide receiver three that you can trust moving forward. And you don't find those very often on the waiver wire. And I thought there might be a teardrop to my next waiver wire guy. That's Josh Kelly. But I think depending on what this Eckler injury ends up being, he also could be worth up to 30% of your fab at minimum. I think you got to go 20 or more dollars on Josh Kelly, who looked extremely solid this week. The best he's ever looked, the best game of his career by a mile. First, we'll start with the injury. We don't know exactly how long Eckler will miss, if at all, due to an ankle injury. But we saw him get limited to almost no usage in the fourth quarter. And that's where Josh Kelly ended up coming in and really thriving at that spot. They ended up Eckler, Kelly, a near even split 51% snaps for Eckler. 49% 49% for Kelly. Both had exactly 16 carries. And yes, Eckler outgained him because of a huge explosive play. But Kelly was consistently churning forward. In fact, 19% of his carries went for over 10 plus yards. That was the best rate in week one. Isaiah Spiller was inactive. Elijah Dotson, the only other active running back, played only special teams, one snap on offense. So it was clear that Josh Kelly is absolutely the man behind Austin Eckler. And with that week five by looming, if this is a serious injury for Austin Eckler, this is pure speculation. I have no additional information. If anything's come out since I started recording this, by all means, toss it in the comments and we can analyze from there. But with that week five by looming, if this is anything serious for Austin Eckler, don't be surprised at all if we get three straight starts for Josh Kelly heading into that bye. The first one's tough. Tennessee, if the 49ers are the worst matchup for running backs, Tennessee is the clear-cut second worst. But after that, Minnesota, the Raiders, none of those are overly daunting. So we could see two starts against pretty soft defenses. And at minimum, it seems like Josh Kelly, even before the injury for Austin Eckler, was in and involved with that goal line snap. He scored that touchdown with Eckler, fully healthy at that point. We talked, uh, you know, tell him more, all offseason. I want to establish the run, and I want to get Josh Kelly involved more often. That was dating back to February when he first got signed. So we shouldn't be surprised at how big of a role that he had. Great to see that schemes, the designs, all of that coming to fruition for Kellen Moore in the run game here. So, again, depending on the injury, exactly how much you want to spend on Kelly. But at this point, we don't have any more information. So anywhere from 20 to even 30, if you think this thing is going to linger, would make sense. Behind him, my next pickup of the week would be Kenny Gainwell. Most people would have Gainwell at the top of their list, and you can't really blame them when you look at the week one usage. He was the number one guy in the most explosive offense in the league from last year. 62% of the snaps, 88% of the running back rushes, 14 compared to one and one for Swift and Boston Scott, respectively. And he also was targeted on 25% of his routes was Kenny Gainwell, seeing four looks, hauling them all in. 20 yards in addition to 54 yards on the ground on those 14 carries not the most efficient game but certainly serviceable at that point and the thing that makes me worried here though is if he misses any time with a rib injury that he's dealing with right now uh, all that usage matched all the beat reports it looked like this was going to be the guy and he really was but with a rib injury on a short week on Thursday night football that might open the door for Swift Penny someone else in this backfield to get an extended look What if Penny comes in and just rips off 130 yards? 
We've seen him do it before. So I'm a little bit worried, a little bit cautious here that Kenny Gamer will miss this Thursday night game. And whether it's Swift, Penny, freaking Boston Scott, and no, I won't be him. But if another back comes in here and looks really good, we know that this backfield has consistently been a headache, has been a committee. I wouldn't be too shocked to see Gainwell lose it as early as he gained it. So just be wary of that. That's why I'm not going all in and blowing all my money on Gainwell. Had he exited this game fully healthy, he might have been right at the top of the list with Kyron Williams there. But ultimately, with that injury, that rib thing lingering, it makes me a little bit more sketched out for Gainwell. Now, I'm a lot higher on this guy than most. Kendrick Bourne, only 4% rostered. I still think he might not have to pay 15% bad, but at least want to toss up that I think he's going to be worth it. He's at the bottom of most waiver wire lists. I don't think he should be significantly higher behind only the Rams guys and Romeo Dobbs for wide receiver additions for me. He was the clear-cut wide receiver one on what looked like a very ascending Pats passing game here against a very good one. One of the best secondaries and overall defenses in the league. Matt Jones just threw for 316 yards and three touchdowns on a whopping 54 pass attempts. That looked great. Matt Jones himself, only 8% rostered. You could maybe look to him if you're quarterback needy at this point. But let's talk about his number one wide receiver in case you don't need anything but that. Team high, 93% route participation. And compare that to just 47% for Juju Smith-Schuster. Alongside those team high 11 targets, a 21% share and like he always does when he gets used, Kendrick Bourne delivered. Six catches, 64 yards, two touchdowns, making him over 20 fantasy points on the day. A top five wide receiver in week one scoring. And it makes it all the more asinine that in fat Patricia's doghouse all year, this guy rotted on the bench. Because the year prior, the guy looked like a stud Kendrick Bourne. He was the wide receiver 30 in fantasy. He had as many top 12 games as DJ Moore. He caught 79% of his passes despite averaging over 14 and a half catch yards per catch. The guy can flat out ball, and it's great to finally see him getting used. All the hype this summer, especially toward the tail end, was how much improved he was, how he dedicated himself to his workouts and came in the best shape of his career. Well, it sure looked like it. And again, you can't, similar to the Dobbs pick, you cannot teach chemistry. And him and Mac definitely had it. That was the guy Mac looked to in each and every situation. I understand Devontae Parker was out, but I don't think that highly of him. He's a you know, good jump ball, red zone, contested catch guy. He can stretch the field too. But I absolutely think Kendrick Bourne brings more to the table. This Bill O'Brien effect seems very real for at least one week. Good test coming in for Monday, uh, Sunday night football against the Dolphins. Looks like a potential shootout scheduled there. So keep track of how these two look. I absolutely think Kendrick Bourne is well worth a look. Now we're going to talk about the Ravens backfield in a sec, but again, over 30 of you here, if you don't mind hitting that thumbs up button, if you like what you're hearing, please do consider it. Keep getting those questions on in. I've got about six more names I want to hit, and it's on to all of your questions for the rest of the time. But let's talk about with J.K. Dobbins suffering, unfortunately, that Achilles tear. Just pour one out for him. You know, it's so sad right as he enters a contract year. It's the brutal nature of the game, brutal nature of the business. You hate to see it we have to be left picking up the pieces. And I actually think Gus Edwards and Justice Hill, that might end up being the fool's gold of this waiver wire. Some people having them all the way at the top of the list. It seems like the natural shoe-in. I don't know how I feel about it. I think it will definitely be a committee. If you look no further than the snaps after Dobbins left, Hill 41%, Edwards 38%. Attempts, Hill 41%, Edwards 47%. Routes, Hill 33%, Edwards 27%. It was almost a near-even split, with a little bit of varied usage here and there based on the role. Uh, 
it looked like that Justice Hill might get the more valuable touches, those two goal line touchdowns. He dominated the passing game shares as well. But I wouldn't be so quick to run and put all my money on him if I'm picking one of these guys. In fact, I kind of like Gus Edwards, a much more established track record of the NFL. In fact, with over 500 career carries in the Super Bowl era, he ranks behind only Bo Jackson, Jamal Charles, Nick Chubb with 5.2 yards per carry over his career. That is not bad company to be mentioned inside. So I definitely think the track record can win out here, that Edwards will be the more viable guy. But in addition to this being a potential 50-50 annoying split all season, what if they trade for JT? Melvin Gordon has just gotten called up from the practice squad, and they definitely could continue to add to this backfield as well. So that's why I'd probably go $15 a fab, you know, 10 to 15% on either guy. I'd still like all the reports in the preseason were Justice Hill's the guy. He played ahead of him in the preseason snaps. He fits the Todd Monken scheme better. So maybe it will be Justice Hill. Two years removed from that Achilles surgery. It's not without the realm of possibility that he is just the better guy for this offense and ultimately gets the usage because of that. I still go with the Gus Edwards track record if I'm picking one or the other. But again, want to reiterate Kyron Williams, Josh Kelly, Kenny Gainwell, all guys that I'd consider well ahead of these Ravens running backs. Now wrapping up the list with the last three names here. The tight end I wanted to highlight, we talked about Kendrick Bourne. Well, Hunter Henry also extremely impressive. In fact, he's currently the number one tight end in fantasy. I know it's only one week. I know it was only a whopping 56 yards that got him there, but you did see some really impressive things. Six targets, five catches, many of them high degree difficulty, contested grabs, 56 yards and a score. That's good for the number one tight end so far in fantasy. That was also backed up a lot of the reports. As a Pats fan, I was reading all summer. It's really the Hunter Henry show. Everyone thought Gusecki was going to come in and be the circus guy. And no, Hunter Henry has been that main vein. Remember him and Matt Jones, roommate inherited. They lived together for multiple years. They had that chemistry throughout last year. It now seems like Hunter Henry will be dialed up more consistently. Bill O'Brien is the king of using his tight ends to perfection. Uh, so I absolutely love Hunter Henry. I think Gusecki can still have a nice role, and he did this week. A few nice catches out there, but it was definitely Hunter Henry leading the way for tight end targets, and I think you can count on this guy as a top 10 tight end moving forward. So about $10 to $15 if you're tight end needy. I think Hunter Henry is going to be as consistent of a guy that you can find on the waiver wire. In terms of an upside stash guy that I don't think you can use right away, could come into a very significant role in the near future. That's Roshan Johnson of the Bears, 16% rostered. He actually did have a very usable week for anybody in best ball. You didn't start him in season long, but maybe he pumped his way into your lineup with five carries, 20 yards, and a man touchdown. He's bowling over people, breaking a bunch of tackles. The big thing, though, was he was heavily involved as a pass catcher already. In fact, a team-high seven targets for Roshan Johnson. He hollows in six of them for 35 yards. He plays... Uh, a dominant 67% of the third down snaps, the majority of the two minutes as well. So he's clearly carving out that pass catching back role. All the reports in campus, he dominated in the pass protection drills and earned that role for himself. And we see it in week one comes to fruition. Yes, Khalil Herbert started, but he wasn't overly impressive in that start. And don't forget that Roshan Johnson in college. Yes, he was behind one of the best prospects we've ever seen, B. Sean Robinson. But we also saw Roshan Johnson average more Force missed tackles per touch. And I get that's a volume stat as well. You know, he was just very efficient, though. Whenever he did get in on a very bad Texas team, he similarly thrived. 
And so Roshan Johnson, I think the kid can ball. He showed it, showed he belonged. That's one of the big tests with rookies. Do they actually belong at this NFL level? Roshan clearly looked like he did in this first action at the NFL level. A guy I'd love to stash and see how this continues to play out. And last but not least, Rasheed Rice. Don't forget that Thursday night atrocity from the Chiefs receiving core and that Rasheed Rice was clearly the most impressive player for that core. Sky Moore, atrocious. Plays all the snaps, 45, second on the team in routes, and only could earn three looks. Doesn't even get his first target till late into the third quarter. A whopping 7% target share for an even bigger zero yards on the day. Ugh, hideous. And he's just never done it at this point. I don't know. We have tons of good praise. Maybe he gets it together. Maybe not. Tony was even worse. Three horrendous drops. One that goes for a pick six. Enter Rasheed Rice. He goes three on five targets, three catches, 29 yards, and a touchdown on that. He only ran 12 routes, making it an elite 41% targets per route uh, and played only 30% of the snaps and still was scoring. He scored a quarter of the fantasy points. We've already seen Sky Moore score. One preseason game with some shitty drops, but right before that, he had eight catches, nine targets, you know, 90 yards. A touchdown was looking like an absolute stud after the catch. I could definitely see Rasheed Rice's role continuing to grow after this impressive performance. Well, that, that wraps up my top 12 waiver wire pickups of week two the first waiver wire of the year, the most important waiver wire of the year. I'm going to wrap up this segment and then hit the mailbag by just now getting into your top week two defensive streamers. I love the Browns this week. Only 12% rostered right now. They destroyed the Bengals. Two sacks, only three points allowed to Joe Burrow in this high-flying attack. Sure, the weather helped, but I do think under Jim Schwartz's direction, with all those interesting additions as well, that front seven, Miles Garris, Darius Smith, J.O.K., I mean, and that vastly improved secondary that can lock down Jamar Chase and T. Higgins. I think the Schwartz effect is very real here, and now they're stepping into a matchup with the Steelers, who just gave up five sacks and two picks, will not have Deontay Johnson. Yes, that was against the 49ers' elite defense, but this Browns team really does have the talent and now the coaching to potentially emerge as a top-10 unit and against a hopeless right now Steelers team. I think they could be a top six unit this week for sure, even on the road. Definitely one I would look to first if I'm picking up defenses, but right behind them, I love the Tampa Bay Bucks against a Bears team that got dismantled by a mediocre, I think, Packers defense. They're 21% rostered the Bucks. They held the explosive Vikings to just 17 points, racking up two sacks, two fumble recoveries, and a pick. And Ultimately, they still have so many pieces of that Super Bowl winning defense. Edge rusher Shaquille Barrett, linebackers Devin White and Levante David, Carlton Davis at CB. This is still a defense containing a ton of talent. And the Bears, sure, they might be a little bit improved, but they just gave up the four sacks, two takeaways, and a defensive touchdown against that Packers team. So ultimately, I could see the Bucs doing something similar at home to this turnover-prone Bears team. Definitely my number two add. And behind them, the Giants, 9% rostered. They got obviously absolutely obliterated on Sunday Night Football. I imagine they then take out all the frustration they're feeling right now on this hapless, pathetic Cardinals team. They only scored one touchdown last week, and it was on the defensive side, a fumble recovery into the end zone. They are far and away the Cardinals, the worst offense in the entire NFL. And yes, they got absolutely buried, this Giants team, but it's not like they have no talent. Dexter Lawrence, 
Kevion Thibodeau, you know, Bobby O'Keary at linebacker, Xavier McKinney in the secondary, a solid player as well. They still have talent. It just wasn't showing up. I think the Cowboys are among the most complete teams in the NFL, and they just had a steamrolling performance. I think the Giants take that heat, that rage they're feeling right now from that game, and just go nuts in Arizona. I think that defense could be great. And I mentioned the Packers coming off a top three day because of that great day against the Bears. It's a great secondary, and they're facing Desmond Ritter. They're going to have no problem limiting this guy who just only threw for 115 yards. My one worry with them, I've seen them on a bunch of streaming lists, is the one thing they don't do well, stopping the run. That's what the Falcons do as well as anybody in the league. So I could see another 70 carries bleeding the clock, not a lot of turnover opportunities, and I think the Packers could ultimately be that fool's gold kind of defense, and I would ultimately go after the Browns, Bucks, and Giants before I go to them even though I've seen them recommended by a lot of folks out there. All righty, Wolfpack, that wraps up my defensive streams of the week. That wraps up my top 12 pickups of the week as well. It is on to the mailbag as I get there. If you enjoy what you're hearing, please do, again, consider that thumbs up button. Please do consider subbing and turning on that bell so you can join all the live streams and be on time. On that note, we'll be live tomorrow instead of Thursday for our usual preview show because I have parent-teacher night tomorrow on uh, Thursday. So I ultimately cannot go live on Thursday. I'd love to do the kickoff show, but we do have to ultimately uh, bump that up a day given that schedule concerns. All righty, let's get on here. Jake Hergett, thoughts on Jacoby Myers? I have one spot. I'm bidding on him in Nakua. It's a tough call. I love them both. I do think it depends. I guess it's so hard to separate the two. Honestly, I think of them pretty similarly. I do think Myers long-term is the better play. I think he lasts longer given that 38% target share, how great he meshes with Jimmy G's style of game. Uh, he was a beast. So I think if it's one or the other, I think Myers definitely has the longer term upside. That being said, he's probably going to miss this week. And if you needed a receiver, if you're in desperate straits right now, Puka might make more sense for your team. Personally though, I would use the one spot on Jacoby Myers, assuming you have wide receiver depth and you don't need uh, to, to, you know, get somebody right in the lineup. Now, if you need some right in the lineup though, I do think Puka would be the better play. David Campanelli, week one was ludicrous. That's one word for it. Yeah, absolute madness uh, there. I forgot to put the call in link, David. My fault. Uh, I will put it in there if you're still here with us, just because I know you value that streak uh, and we can pull you in here. Uh, I'll, I'll type that in real quick. Call in live. Uh, forgot to get that in there for you. So feel free to jump on in that call live if you have some uh some bitching to do here, Campanelli. It was absolutely uh, brutal. Thoughts on Godwin in London and poor offenses versus Pakua or Dobbs? I, I'm i more worried about London than I am Godwin. I, I didn't think that looked that shitty, to be honest, with the Bucs. You know, Mike Evans, six for 66 and a touchdown. They didn't need to pile on points because their defense was playing so well. I think that offense, I thought Baker looked really solid, actually, uh, given that nobody ever wants him to be uh, under command. And I like Dobbs. I don't know that I'd drop either of those guys for Puka or Dobbs. Maybe – I don't know that you can drop London. Um, I Would you drop P. Ryan for one of your Tier 1 waivers? He also was a really intriguing player, really in impressive usage. It was just like we saw Sean Payton backfields of the past where it's a near-even split, tons of impressive receiving work for P. Ryan, plus he has the handcuff with benefits. It just depends on what you need XY Zipper. Like, if you need a immediate starter, Kyron Williams probably has more value right now than Samaj P. Ryan. 
Samaje Piran has more upside sitting on that bench if something ever happened to Javante. I mean, he'd be a top 10 running back. Plus, he's pretty usable even if nothing does. If you need the receiver desperately, then yeah, I might drop Piran for Puka as well. He's right in that range of potentially droppable. Uh, so I would go, I would probably drop Piran for either of those guys if you need someone to plug in right now. Uh, I, th- I think I value both of them more. Campanelli with the call and what's going on, brother? How are we tonight? I'm all right. How are you doing, Wolf? Hey, doing well, doing well, my man, doing well. So, you got the kiddo asleep over there? <laughs> yeah, uh, I was dead, dead tonight to put the princess to bed. Nice. Um, <laughs> so just a quick question. Um, after losing Dobbins, uh, would you is Khalil Herbert droppable for a Kyron or a uh, a Josh Kelly? I think for Kyron, yeah, I, I'd probably rather have him long term. I think Khalil Herbert, Roshan looks so good that his role is only going to diminish, whereas Kyron's is probably only going to grow at this point. So I would, yeah, long term, rather have Kyron Williams than Khalil Herbert. I'd, I hate dropping him because Herbert has had some impressive efficiency metrics throughout his career, and he didn't look bad this week. I just thought Roshan looked really good. And, you know, it might end up being just a three-headed nightmare all year, even if Roshan can't separate. So, to me, I think Kyron has a better overall situation than Khalil Herbert, yeah. And then um, would OBJ be droppable for any of the wide receivers you mentioned? Because it I think Luka, like- yeah. I mean, Zay yeah. Flowers was the absolute alpha there. So, yeah, I mean, OBJ still intrigued, and I think that offense will continue to improve, but at, at least for one week, and it's only a one-week sample size, but you know it's a quick season, and we got to be ready to react. To me, it looked like Zay Flowers is going to be the absolute hog there, and whatever we get, the scraps left. I mean, that was without Andrews even there, but that we couldn't see Odell do much more. So, yeah, I think Odell's definitely droppable for a guy like Puka, uh, maybe even Romeo Dobbs at that point too. Yeah. And what about a Kendrick Bourne? That's where it gets a little dicey, but, I mean, I thought Bourne looked great. I'm a biased Pats fan, but, yeah, I mean, he's the number one, I think. I, mean, I don't think that's going to change. I really like Bourne. I, I'm, I am higher on him than 99% of people out there. So it depends on what you're feeling too, but he just looked really good. And I think he's going to be the, the number one throughout the year, uh, especially with like Parker was out. I get that. But the fact that Juju only ran 47% of routes and just doesn't look anything special. Like Bourne is the one that is special there. Uh, I, I'm a big fan. Awesome. Thanks Wolf. Have a good one. Hey, cheers. Good to Thank see you, you. Campanelli. Nice to time, to, time to get back on it in week two. I, I trust me. I need the rebound as bad as anybody. It was the worst fantasy week of my life. So we're both going to come back, uh, come back big with this waiver wire, baby. Cheers. <laughs> Proud J.K. Dobbins owner. Uh, CJ, poor one out for the man. He was an absolute – the worst part about the injury, I mean, one, obviously, real life-wise for him, it's just it's such a bad timing, and it might be the last time he truly plays. I, he'll, he'll get a prove-it deal next year, and maybe he comes back at some point, but Achilles are just brutal. But it was also just painful to see, like, he was going to be such a monster in this offense. 23 to 29 snaps, a touchdown, some good receiving work. He was a perfect fit. It's just so damn sad that it didn't happen. Uh, it, I, I worry it's never going to happen at this point now. Pulling out for the man. Put some respect on Kendrick Bourne. I agree, Mark. I don't get why no one respects Kendrick Bourne. But after he does it again this week, against that Dolphin secondary. I think everyone's going to be scrambling. Would you drop Moster and get Kelly? I don't think so, Dan. I mean, Mostert right now, the clear lead back in the Dolphins offense. I know it didn't get you a ton of points this last week, but I think Mostert definitely carries that upside. Um, even when Wilson comes back, it looks like this team really loves him. I would rather have Mostert on my team than Kelly. 
The Wolf. What's up, LBJ? Hey, thanks for tuning in. Jeff Lee. What's up, Wolf? Half PPR. Would you drop George Pickens? I wouldn't. No, not for, not for any of these guys. And Pickens is such a crazy case because he'll make some circus catches that only a 2% of, not even like 0.001% of people on this planet could ever make. <laughs> and then they come out of bounds. His usage is just so frustrating in that sense because it's like always on the sideline and it's never these easy layups but that being said Deontay is going to be banged up for at least a few weeks at this point Jeff so I want to at least see what Pickens does as the supposed clear-cut number one guy it's worth mentioning Allen Robinson was the target hog eight targets uh and I can't believe that word's coming up by Allen Robinson target hog somehow he was the main guy though I imagine they continue to scheme for Pickens better if you're frustrated, Jeff, and you want to go for it, like you could go for Pooh. Any of those three guys are all upside, but me personally, I wouldn't drop George Pickens. I just think he's too good of a talent. I hope he's not just fool's gold. That's uh, Charlie saying, yep, pour one out for JK. Indeed, guys. Uh, speedy recovery. Hope he can somehow regain that explosiveness that makes him so damn special. Thoughts on these three from Mr. Noto. Good to see you, Mr. Noto. Uh, who should you put it in or should you wait? I would say one... I- I don't think you wait. I don't know that we'll see a waiver wire this impressive. Kyron, Josh Kelly, Zay Jones. You have Bijan, Aaron Jones, Algier, and Mostert. So you're pretty good at running back. Chase, uh, you got. I mean, you're good at receiver too. I would, I would still go after Kyron. Um, you're loaded at pretty much all the spots, but I'd say you're a little bit weaker at running back, especially if Aaron Jones is knocked out this week. I I think I go for one of those running backs. Whichever one you end up valuing higher, no to. If you if you think Kelly's the guy, go for it. But I personally go Kyron Williams. Uh, even if you don't have to use him this week, I think you're getting the Rams starting running back, the main guy in that offense. Uh, so in better matchups, not the 49ers this week, but in better matchups, I really think Kyron is going to be a stud throughout the year. So I would use that waiver wire pick on him. Thoughts on dropping Jawan Johnson or Musgrave for Hunter Henry? Uh I, I would do that. Yes. I personally, I have Juwan Johnson as my backup to um, Mark Andrews right now. And I am going to be trying to drop him for Hunter Henry. Yes. So I, I think the Hunter Henry Johnson might be the fourth option on that team. I mean, Thomas looked good. Olave's obviously a freak. Rashid Shahid. I should have mentioned him as an honorable mention. I mean, he looks phenomenal too. Don't, yeah. if you miss out on all these other guys, don't, don't be hesitant to put a little claim in on Rashid Shahid as well. So I think Jawan Johnson just too crowded of a uh, depth chart to consistently be a guy. Um, oh, yeah. So I think that was a, a repeat from Jeff there. So we'll keep rolling. How much fab for Yoso Tony would you throw at Algier Gainwell? I would prioritize Algier for sure. As mentioned, I think you were here, Tony. Um, and if not, just rewind it. I talked about why I, I like Gainwell, but there's a chance he's fool's gold if he's hurt throughout this week and then, you know, Swift comes in or Penny comes in and dominates. As good as that usage was this week, I, I could see the team just flipping to a committee or even worse, like to whatever guy's more talented. So I definitely prioritize Algier. And I mean, especially if you need a running back, Yoso Tony, I, I think Algier is worth 40%, you know, 50%, something of that nature. I, he's just a physical guy that this team loves. As Deontay and C. Watson owner, how much of your fab would you be willing to spend on Puka? Uh, I mean, I'm a, I'm a Sue Watson owner and uh, I don't have Deontay, but my other guys are shitty behind him. So yeah, I, I 
feeling similarly, LBJ. I really am. Uh, it's one of those things, don't hesitate, especially the only time I'd say to hesitate with that is some leagues, once you're out of fab, you can't pick anybody else up. I hate those rules. I think that sucks. Uh, but if you're one of those guys that can, you know, could do with it, you get up at 5 a.m. and you, you sneak in the people that nobody else wanted that ended up should have gone for 10 bucks and you can kind of play that game. There's no, there's no reason to not enjoy that. Uh, I'll take Puka. Yeah, you should too. And you've been on that guy for a long time. So you deserve to bow on him. And similarly, I'll take my bow on Kyron Williams. I've been all over the Kyron Williams train. In fact, in the late rounds of best ball, these last few weeks, it was either Kyron Williams or Kendrick Bourne's my last couple picks. And I have some teams looking pretty solid because of that. So uh, you know, let's knock on wood, but let's keep the good times rolling there with those two. Drop Marquise Brown for Puka. I think so, Nicola. I really do. I mean, what's the what's the upside here with Marquise Brown? Once the tough thing is when Kyler comes back, if Kyler comes back, Marquise Brown's gonna be a, a borderline wide receiver one, but there's a real chance we don't see Kyler Murray this year. So especially it, I think this comes down to do you really need the receiver? Like, are you going to use Puka if you pick him up? Because I think these two flip fortunes eventually. You know, once Cooper Cup is back, Puka's gonna lose. I'm guessing a lot of value, but if Cooper Cup never came back or re-aggravates the injury, Puka's just going to be a stud no matter what. Apple, I mean, no matter what, it looks like it from one week at least. Whereas if Kyler Murray comes back and Marquise Brown's there, we're looking at a great situation. What if Marquise Brown also gets traded to, you know, the Chargers or something crazy too, uh, and they're tank fest. So I would definitely drop Eli Mitchell for Kyler. There's no doubt about that. Is there someone else other than Marquise Brown you could drop is what I would say. And if if not, do you really need Puka right now? If you pick him up, is he going into your lineup? Because if not, I think Marquise Brown carries the longer-term ceiling, I guess. It's close, though. It really is, Nickel. I, you could totally go, you could justify it. Lost JK and had the number one priority. Sorry for the loss, Omar. Brutal. I, I don't think Justice Hill is worth it. I think Kyron Williams is worth burning him, though. I would not be waiting. I think Kyron Williams is the Rams running back, and it's going to be tough this week, tough sledding because of the 49ers, but that would add right to your depth. You get a starting running back right there. Oh, my. With Dobbins, London, Deontay on my team, I need an immediate flex play. Algier or Puka? I think immediate flex play, it, it's, it's Puka. At the wide receiver position, it seems like you need a little more depth. And you have Bijan. It's one of those tricky things where it's like – it's great to have the handcuff too. It's one of those backfields you couldn't use both of them. I mean, they both scored over 20 fantasy points this week. So I could see that too. I would, it depends on what you're weaker at, Bulldog, honestly. Like, whatever t- position you feel you have a weaker depth at, go with them. I, I think both are worth the way number one claim. I, I, in a vacuum, value Algier more, but your situation is a little bit muddier since you already have Bijan. So I, I get that too. All right, last couple here. A few good questions uh, to wrap it up. Austin, we have a small bench. Puka Dobbs, born game. Jeez. Uh, need to, if you think, yeah, I think you should drop Zeke. Uh, and I would go the exact order. Watch the show. I, I go in the order and then I value them, uh, Augustus. Um, so I would, of these, I have Puka the highest and Kyron the highest. So I would go the two Rams guys. Uh, is how I would do it, Augustus. But yeah, um, absolutely. Rip it up, man. Love the name Augustus, too. It's just like an emperor. In one league, Zay Flowers is a – oh, I mean, come on. <laughs> like, there's there's no doubt about that. If Zay Flowers – if you're in a league with Zay Flowers, folks, just turn the show off and go pick him up and, and call it a day. 
I'd bid a hundred dollars. If I had a hundred fab, I'd bid all hundred to get safe flowers at this point. Uh, there's, there's no doubt about it, Daniel. Yes, go get him. What's up, Gekel? Good to see you then. I feel like it's been a minute since uh, we saw you, Gekel. Pumped to, pumped to see you back around these streets. I have a lot of trash. What should I hold on to? Akers, Burke, Swift, Deion Jackson. <laughs> the obviously not cutting tea. I mean, I don't think you have to hold on to Deion Jackson. I, I, Eli Mitchell's a good handcuff. I'm off on Burks at this point. Akers is cuttable, too. I mean, he really is. I would probably hold on to Akers and Swift, at least Swift through Thursday night and see what he does. And, you know, if Gainwell's out and he rips it up, great. But I would rank the cuttableness, Dion, then probably Eli Mitchell, then Burks. But any of those three, and even Akers, if you really wanted to, are cuttable. You rate McKinnon above, I'd say below pretty much most of this list, <laughs> Charlie. I think you have McKinnon for December. At this point, you know, if you need the guys to help you to get to December, then yeah, McKinnon's cuttable. I mean, he didn't catch anything even with Kelsey out. He's going to do nothing until they really need to rely on him in that crunch time. Yes, I think we already answered that one, um, but I would drop him for Puka. Bourne's a little closer, but I think so. One of my big, hey, good stuff, dudes. Man, um, that's a close battle. Lockett, Samuel, Ridley, and Dotson. Is Puka worth the first priority? So Kevin, it's one of those things like, is he ever going to get your lineup? Probably not. But are you just going to sit on this wave of wire priority all the time? Like if you pick him up, could you move one of those guys and, and get a nice deal? Probably. So I, I just don't think we're going to see much that approaches the Kyron Puka levels until there's a bad injury. And I just hate being in that situation where I never pick anybody up because I'm constantly waiting for an injury to happen. Like it's just, it's not fun. <laughs> yeah. I could end up sitting there all the time. Um, would you drop London to get Shahid born Nakua? No, it's one bad game. And Drake London was so good and had a good rapport. It was about as run heavy as this team will be. I wouldn't drop him quite yet for any of those three. Puka versus London is close, but no, I wouldn't drop uh, London quite yet. <laughs> and Medina, great to see you from Panama. Uh, awesome to hear from you again, too. And thank you for your compliments. Uh, looking good and sharp. Hey, glasses, is that what does it for you? <laughs> As an Eckler owner, should I target Karen, uh, Kyron or go for an early season handcuff with Kelly? I'm basing the same questions, Gerard. I do think I'd go after Kyron just because it seems longer term for me. But I, I do understand that. It, you know, both of them. Go go after them both and hope you get one of them. Um, but, yeah, I'd go Kyron over Kelly even with the situation making a little more sense. Campanelli going for, yeah, consecutive calls. He's at it, baby. He sure is. Uh, born to chase Boutte. <laughs> Boutte. Uh, or will lead to chasing booty next week. No, I I, I think Bourne is the guy here. Hope you, uh, Lomi, of course I remember you. Great to see you again. And you got the ship. Let's run it back indeed. Uh, I would definitely drop Dion or DPJ. I'm happy to drop them both. Um, and I would drop them for Kyron, Puka, and Rashawn in that order. I'd rather have any of those three over those two. So, yes, uh, fab-wise, just rewind. Watch the show. I, I talked about it, um, but about 30% on the first two about 20% on, on uh, Roshan. And if you're weaker at receiver, then definitely go even heavier at Puka then. Um, I'd, like, I'd rather have love at this point, Charlie. I would. He just seems a lot safer. Uh, is first priority worth it? Yeah. I mean, either one, Kevin. You know the situation. Like, you want me to tell you one or the other? My gut says Kyron, but you know who you want. Like, both of them are worth it. You got to trust who you think. I do think either one is worth it. 
Um, sorry, Bill, I didn't mean to. Uh, would you go Puka or Kyron for long-term success? It's, it's so it's so tough to know, Bill. Like, what is Cooper Cup situation going to be? If you told me he plays only no no games, then Puka's going to be a monster all year. If he comes back and reaggravates it, Puka's back to being a monster. I do think Puka plays that Cup role, and like he could also just disappear when Cup comes back. Whereas Kyron is going to probably be that long-term guy. Again, rewind. I talk about the the Fab situation, but about thirty percent or more, depending on how badly you want them. Um, again, guess we're now question to pour it in. Please do consider hitting that absolute thumbs up button. It really does continue to help us grow. So many new names in there. So happy to see you. Consider subbing to the channel as well if you enjoy what you're hearing. We'll be live answering these questions four times a week. Alrighty, rapid fire. Yo soy tu papa. Uh, indeed, you're my papa. Yes, yes. <laughs> we used to make a big deal about best friends, Stafford, uh, Hunter. Yeah, exactly. I agree. I agree with you, CJ. Roommate narrative is as good as it gets. Uh, yeah, you can drop or for Henry. Yep, I agree. And again, fab fab prices are all earlier in the show, uh, about 15 or so percent is I think what I went with. Madison, yeah, so inefficient. She got in the end zone for you, Jay Berg. So you can only be so mad at that. Um, how aggressively would you consider trading for Cup or Taylor? Charlie, uh, it's just absorbing unnecessary risk. It's huge upside. But if, if I, I would wait until I've started – let that owner go 0-3, drive the price down, and get them even closer to returning. I, I wouldn't be overly aggressive right now unless you really love your team and think you can sustain the depth. It's all, oh, yeah, Augustus, we'll back go. Hey, there you go. <laughs> Too many creepers for you, Augustus. <laughs> when does Bijan take over? I, I think it's going to actually pretty much be a split, too. I think he'll get the majority of the split more so than, than not. But, yeah, hey, I was always hit that like. Thank you, Bulldog. Great to see you. I love the late shows like Wolf After Talk. <laughs> Thumbs up, baby. Thank you again so much, guys. I hope that helped you get prepared for that week two waiver wire, the most important of the year. We have great stuff on the site, trade value charts, our own other waiver wire articles and fab analysis. And you can find me at Rotor Street Wolf anytime uh, to hit me up there. RotorStreetJournal.com is where we breed and feed you fantasy wolves. Week two rankings already up there. We'll be live again tomorrow. Thursday, getting bumped up a day open house teacher night on Thursday. So I cannot be here where my usual kickoff, which I love. Unfortunately, it's going to be uh, the one time we miss a Thursday show. So come on over tomorrow, 7 p.m., me and the truth. We'll get you your preview, answer any early sit-start questions ahead of Thursday night football, baby. Big game. Let's go. Uh, and and Giuseppe, I went through this. I go Kyron. I think Kyron is the more usable and long-term guy until we know more about Eckler's injury, at least. But both guys, very good pickups. Alrighty, guys, and the wolf was saying she'd be those wolves. We used to have it all, but now's our curtain call. So hold for the applause. Oh, 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 oh. And wave out to the crowd and take our final bow. Oh, it's our time to go, but at least we stole the show. 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 Straight ahead. Devlin. Second effort. Third effort. Touchdown. Oh. That's pretty awesome. That's old-fashioned football right there, folks.